and we're going to finish it up today. I, uh, uh, one of the things you can give thanks for is I have a shorter sermon than normal. Um, but we also have an event following, and you give thanks for that as well. Would you stand with me, and let's read, uh, let's read a passage from 1 Thessalonians together. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word, for the life that is in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to your people today. I do not have the ability or the capability to to bring this in such a fashion that it will change anyone's life. But, Lord, you're able to take just one word and you're able to totally turn a life around. And I pray that you would do that today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Yes, I am wearing a suit. I, uh, I own three of these. <laughs> or Margaret would say I, have, I own four, but actually one of them shrunk. And uh, <laughs> so it's not really mine anymore. Uh, <laughs> have you ever wondered what God's will is for you? You should. You should. It... it Back in the 70s, when I really turned my life over to the Lord, that seemed to be the burning question on everybody's mind. What is God's will for my life? And I don't hear that much anymore. But, but you, really, you really should know that. Uh, because when you're in the center of God's will, then stuff can happen all around you, and, and you're, in a, you st- you're standing in a place of grace. You really are. Uh, when Margaret and I made the decision that we were going to go over to Zimbabwe. It was in uh, December of 84. And on uh, December the 31st of 84, our oldest daughter, Arwen, went into the, uh, went into the hospital at Vanderbilt with spinal meningitis. And, I mean, we drove there. Uh, I rem- I'll never forget her laying in Margaret's lap, totally like she just didn't have any life in her whatsoever, completely burning up. And she was there for 10 days, and it was not a sure thing that she was going to come out. And, you know, while at the same time I, I understood, you know, my daughter's in danger here, and we were praying for her, there was this complete peace in both of our lives because we, we knew what this was about. We, we knew what we were getting ready to do and what the enemy was trying to do, but we knew we were, we were right in the center of God's will. And as I look back over, over that time, that period in our lives, this happened and that happened and this happened. And, you know, from a, from a, a perspective out here, I can kind of look at it and go, wow, that was, that was tough. But going through it wasn't tough because we were in the center of God's will and we knew we were exactly where we were supposed to be. See, here's the thing. God can't use you to do hard things if you don't know you're in his will because you'll bail on him. So it's important to know that you're in the center of God's will, and the only way to really know that on a consistent and ongoing basis is to break free from the pattern of this world. Paul says in Romans, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Oftentimes people take the back end of that verse and talk about, break it up like God has three wills there's there's the good one and then there's the pleasing one and then there's the perfect one but that's nonsense 
This is not a, a Sears and Roebuck ad. God's will is good, and there's only one who is good. And God's will is pleasing, and God's will is perfect. You know, perfect, you can be perfectly evil. You can be perfectly bad. You know, perfect isn't necessarily better than good. This is, this is God's will. And the only way to really know that is to break the pattern of this world. And we'll, I'll, I'll get back to that at the very end of the sermon because uh, I'm going to tie this thing up. But in terms of knowing God's will, let's start out with some very simple things, things that you know for sure because the Bible says this is God's will. One of the things you know for sure is it's God's will for you to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God does not want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And that doesn't, it doesn't mean except you. It means he wants every, if you are a human being, then you are included in the classification of everyone. And he wants you to be saved. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you didn't just come today because I was going to wear a suit. You didn't just come today because there's a wedding following this service you came today because God had an appointment for you and the Holy Spirit brought you here and he's why you're listening to me now going what is he saying God wants you to be saved also it's God's will for you to avoid sin now that's not how you get saved a lot of people think that's how you get saved and so well, I'm never gonna make it well you're right if that's how you get saved you get saved because Jesus shed his blood for you. He wants you to avoid sin because that's going to make your life better. That's going to enable you to be able to, to, to live a beautiful life that glorifies him. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means avoid sin and that you should avoid sexual immorality. And just let me say, sexual immorality is not the only kind of sin that will keep you from being sanctified. You know, there's envy, there's dissension gossip greed gluttony oh it's thanksgiving <laughs> Sorry. yeah i'm glad y'all enjoyed that uh and then it is also and this is the last one is very simple i'll put it we read it it is his will for you to give thanks for you to live a life of thanksgiving that's very important uh like i said we just read it give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Last week we talked about uh, giving thanks for who God is. And because he never changes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it is always appropriate to give thanks regardless of what's going on. Because he doesn't change. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't changed. And giving thanks in all circumstances acknowledges his presence acknowledges his his goodness regardless of these temporary things that we call circumstances that happen to be going on in our lives but let's let's talk for just a few minutes about some of the circumstances okay first of all giving thanks in the good times for the good times uh, give you an example maybe a couple of examples now nah, just one this one's from Shakespeare Henry V. This is an actual picture of Henry V. Cool. Either he's a skinhead with a cap on, or he's got a real cool haircut, and that dude could grow a fro, let me tell you. If he were to just let it go, 
he'd really get out there. But that, that's actually Henry, Henry V. And uh, Shakespeare's play, Henry V, is primarily concerned with Henry's most famous battle. He was a warrior king of England, and his most famous battle was the Battle of Angincourt. It was fought on October the 25th, uh, 1415. And I know that uh, last month most of you celebrated the 498th anniversary of the <laughs> Battle of Angincourt, uh, which is why we don't speak French today. Uh, and uh, Henry's army had been on the continent for several months during the, the warring season, and it had not been a particularly successful um, campaign. They had really only conquered one city. And the army had been, they were tired, they were, they, were, they were harried, they had been decimated by disease, and they were at Angincourt, and the French had a vastly superior army numerically to come against them. And yet the English ended up winning the day. And, and in the play, when, uh, when the French herald comes in to beg Henry to allow them to go to the field to bury their dead and to identify their dead and, and take care of those situations, uh, Henry says, I, you know, I don't even know if we've won or not. He's been so engaged in the battle. Uh, and upon hearing from the French herald, the day is yours, he says, praised be God and not our strength for it. And then later on, upon hearing that the French have lost 8,400 of their uh, of their number and, and 1,600 mercenaries besides against 129 English losses. He says, And be it death proclaimed through our host to boast of this or take the praise from God, which is his only. They go, well, you know, how does Shakespeare know Henry said that? Well, he, he doesn't. He just made those words up. But he knew what would have been in Henry's heart because he knew the scriptures. Uh, in fact, it's even rumored that he might have had a hand in, in translating the King James Bible. And he knew Psalm 21.1, which says, The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories that you give, and that, and that the praise totally belongs to you. God couldn't let Gideon win with 32,000 men or even 10,000 men because they would think that the praise belonged to them, that they had, that they had done something. You know, it may seem to be a given that we would give thanks when something good happens, but it isn't. I'm not, you know, talking about necessarily athletes giving praise to God because, you know, we stomp them, we beat them, you know, that, that's, that, I mean, that's good. I like to hear people say, thank you, Jesus, anytime. But I'm not talking about that. I'm not necessarily even talking about you know, warriors coming back from, from war and, and praising God for victory, which is becoming harder and harder to define in a war these days, or, or praising God to bring them back, you know, even for that. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about when something good happens in our lives. You get, a, you get a raise at work, and instead of instead of this this overflowing of our heart going oh thank you god there's usually a tendency to go that took long enough i should have gotten that last year when they passed me over i should have gotten that promotion a long time i've been working hard 
or you get a new job or you have health or something good happens in your family we 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 really our default mode is not praised be God for this good thing that just happened in my life for this good thing that just happened to, to my family that's not what we default to we need to understand that the race is not always to the swift the battle is not always to the mighty it does not necessarily always work out that way if those of you who've known Margaret and I for quite some time know that there is a word that is not in our vocabulary we dropped it out of our vocabulary decades ago and we never use it and it's the word luck there is no such thing it doesn't exist something good happens in my life and I'm a Christian and I believe that in everything God is at work for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose and I have the audacity to say well that was lucky God named lucky I don't think so that was God that was God who moved in my life always is say oh that's silly to not use the word luck try it and discover how many times in your day you find yourself saying hey that what that was uh, uh, got to find another word here I'm blessed yeah well there you go yeah that'll work that'll work because that acknowledges that somebody else did something for you on your behalf thank you Jesus will work as well Thanksgiving in the good times Thanksgiving in uh, hard times now this is when we usually feel that it's that it's really a test but the truth of the matter is very often the hard times are the times that it's easiest for us to give thanks because they're the times that we just have to stop and go okay wait a minute something good's got to be there somewhere yeah. oh yes I'm saved oh yes you know I'm still alive oh yes I have hope I have eternal life some examples Job when Job heard got the news that all of his wealth had been taken and that all of his children had been killed that's a pretty tough blow Not, none of us have dealt with that to the degree that this man did but his reply his response to that was this naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart I didn't have this money when I came I didn't have these children when I came I didn't have these this cattle and sheep and houses when I came and I won't have it when I go the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised that's an example Jeremiah Jeremiah saw his nation fall into idol worship and as a result fall to a, a foreign power now imagine being in his situation uh, on one level you don't really have to imagine because we live in a nation of idol worship I mean, we absolutely do it's not little statues you know uh, on every corner but their idol worship is the the rule of the day and so we've seen our nation those of us who are old enough have seen our nation fall into it some uh, that's all they've ever known but 
for, for those of us who are old enough, we've seen our nation fall into it. Now, imagine seeing our nation invaded and completely taken over. Well, that could never happen. We've got the strongest military in the world. The battle is not always to the mighty. The race is not always to the swift. Imagine somebody coming in and destroying it, taking over. God's judgment on it. Jeremiah saw that. And imagine all of the, I, I mean, you know, we, we rightly so got a little bit messed up over the World Trade Center going down. But imagine, you know, all, all of Manhattan and, and uh, Washington Monument and all of those things and, and multiply it by a thousand times across the nation. Imagine seeing that and, and the dead everywhere. That's Jeremiah. That's what Jeremiah saw in his lifetime. The city of Jerusalem totally razed. The temple completely destroyed. And yet he said this. His lamentation was palpable. But in the midst of it he said, I remember my affliction and my wandering the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Not I remember that, you know, I, I'm still here and I'm still alive. No, I remember the, the bad stuff. And in the midst of remembering, yet I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Therefore, I will put hope in him. Therefore, I will praise him. Thank you, God. One more, and I've already mentioned it, but I'm going to mention it again because nobody ever hears things the first time you say them. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, on the night in which he knew that within 24 hours he was going to be tortured to death. On the night in which one of his 12 closest friends sold him out for money and not a whole lot of it. On the night in which one of his three closest friends denied that he even knew Jesus. And on the night in which he, he said to his three closest friends, will you come and pray with me? And they went, we're sleepy. On that night, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. I, I'm, I, I'm glad he didn't break it and then give thanks. He gave thanks before the bro breaking happened. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. He didn't give it to them and go, oh, thank you, God, that they have this cup. He said, thank you. In fact, Paul calls this the cup of thanksgiving. And, and could it have been a more difficult circumstance? I don't think so. A, a more difficult circumstance, I don't know why two of those popped up, but we're just going to, we're going we're gonna to do the cup of thanksgiving. Could it have been a, a more difficult circumstance from which the cup of thanksgiving arose, out of which it was born? So thanksgiving in the good things, thanksgiving in the hard things, and, and one last one here. 
what do Romans 1.8, 1 uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 1.4, Ephesians 1.16, Philippians 1.3, Colossians 1.3, 1 Thessalonians 1.2, 1 Timothy 2.1, and Philemon 1.4 have in common. I know, they're all in the Bible. Yeah. Paul wrote all of them. I'll, I'll quote one of them, and uh, it's basically what all of them say. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Look around you. That's not a rhetorical statement. Look around you at the people who are around you. There are great, great stories of redemption sitting next to you sitting in this place you know I, I i love that justin was sharing what he shared this morning about uh, those of you who don't know justin and many of you don't know justin are not aware that if you were a friend of justin's who had not seen him in a few years <laughs> and you saw him now you know uh, so you're, you're not aware that you know she was probably expecting you know him him to him to come in with a uh, a bail bondsman or, or something next to him and you know got got his dealer and got his bail bondsman let's go pray for this guy you know kind of kind of thing uh going on there no god has done an incredible thing in this man's life some of you knew jesse berry a few years ago before sister met him <laughs> What a wonderful work of redemption God has done in his life. I don't think any of you are old enough to remember me. That's a good thing. <laughs> Margaret knew about me. Uh, there are incredible stories of redemption sitting around you. There are, inc there are incredible servants sitting around you. I mean, there are, there are people here who literally lay down their lives in in magnificent ways, I mean, ways that just blow me away. I, I just kind of go, wow. You know, and they, and they, don't just, they don't do it for show. They don't do it to, uh, for anybody to pat them on the back and get out of boys. They do it because it's what's in their heart. And, there's, and there's, those, those people, they're sitting in here, in this room. Some, some of them may live at your house when you get right down to it. There, there are people sitting in here who bring light and peace and beauty the beauty of christ into a dark and desperate world in which we live because he makes beautiful things out of us all around life is springing up from this old ground out of chaos life is being found and paul says I give th I, every time I pray, I thank God for you. I, those of you who uh, follow my Facebook or my tweets or something know that on Tuesday, I call it Thankful Tuesday. And, but I find myself, because I set Tuesday aside specifically to thank God for people, but I find myself when I'm praying for people during the week, you know, I, my, my default is thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for them. Thank you for Fred Jones. He doesn't know it. I wouldn't tell him because I like to aggravate him. But I, but I am so thankful for that man and for the heart that you put in him and the encouragement that he is to me. Thank you. 
And that needs to be our default setting. In the good times, in the hard times, and for the people that God has brought into our lives. <laughs> okay, let's go back and tie it all up. To really know God's will requires us to break free from the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? It is the pattern of this world to whine and complain and grumble. There's money in grumbling. That's why we have talk radio. That's why we have 24-hour news. There, there's, that's, that's the way we... That's, that's our default setting. That's the world's default setting. That's, that's where we go to. And, and it's so easy to go there. A whole generation of Israelites spent their lives in the wilderness grumbling. It didn't work out very well for them, and it doesn't work out very well for us. It can, we can spend our lives in the wilderness grumbling and complaining. And, boy, I, I love God because He is so patient with me. You know, and I'll be working on, you know, one of these Thanksgiving sermons and, and, and loving and being patient. And, you know, God, I get to stand up there and I get to be patient in front of everybody and just ooze love so that, so that people can go, oh, yeah, that's what I want to be like. And, you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll be driving along thinking about it. And God puts idiots in front of me. In my path, there are people. Don't you understand that people are behind you and they are counting on you to move? Seriously, you can turn right on red in this state. That's the only smart law the legislature's passed in my lifetime. I mean, seriously, yeah. <laughs> So I'm not pretending that I bat a thousand, okay? But to be mindful each day, to give thanks. And these, that breaks the pattern of this world. It allows us to see what the world can't see, which is the will of God. It, it allows us to, to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. And there he is. Because regardless of what's going on in our lives, I need to see God everywhere anywhere anytime his goodness in the land of the living thanksgiving is the key to that would you stand with me I told you it was a shorter sermon than usual now you need to be thankful to God for that for those who are going to pray with people come forward because we're, we're not, we're going to, yeah, we got something to do after this, and I'll tell you about it when we get there. But we, we're going to pray for folks for a while. Because uh, it's, it is a fallen world. And so if you're here and you need prayer for something, you need physical healing, you need uh, a relationship healed, you need um, something going on at work, you need a financial touch, what, whatever you need, you just need clarity. Need the will of God. And you come, let these brothers and sisters pray for you. And, and if you're here and you don't know Christ, 
like I say, you didn't come here today to see a wedding. I mean, you think you came here to see a wedding. But God brought you here to hear the gospel. And the gospel is he loves you. There's a different way to live than the way that you're living now. You know, and you're probably thinking, oh, well, I'm kind of enjoying the way I'm living now. No, you're just dumb. I remember feeling like that. I remember going, yeah, I, well, God might, Jesus might mess my life up if I give my life to him. I'd already messed it up more than it could be messed up. He, bring, he, he finds your true self, brings it out. If you'd like to meet Jesus, we'd love to introduce you to him. Really would. We're going to worship for a few moments and wait for those to come who need to come. And if you don't need to come, you worship with us.
we've not done this before, but we're going to do it now. We're having a wedding today, and it's going to start in about 10 minutes. And so here's the deal. If you've got children that you need to go get, go get them. If you'd like to not stay for the wedding, that's perfectly fine as well. You've got a little window here. That, uh, but if you take the visitation out into the foyer, uh, if you are staying for the wedding, two, two instructions. One, try and move toward the center as much as possible because the way we got this stage thing, thing staged, uh, <laughs> is uh, the people in the two center sections will be able to definitely see the bride and groom. And the further out you get, the more sightline issues you'll have. And then also, if we could make the front two rows available for the family, we'd appreciate that. About 10 minutes. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. May that abundant life be yours. And may thanksgiving well up inside of you. And may it flow out to the glory of God, to the beautification of Christ, and to the blessing of those around you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.